Welcome back to the podcast that rocks, weekly podcast that talks about news in the world of rock, metal, alternative, and everything in between. With me again is Go Gretchen. Say hello, Gretchen. Hello, Gretchen. Uh, so everyone's aware Ivan is right next to Gretchen as well. So if good Ivan has anything to say, he will be sure to chime in. He's panting heavily right now. <laughs> oh, well, it's summer. So am I. Let's be honest. It is summer. <laughs> Hopefully everyone is doing well. It's having a good week. Um, as we go through different news topics, um, I know there's still a tumultuous world out there in 2020 with news breaking every day, whether that's COVID. In the United States, we're worried about another cop situation shooting. There's tons of sports going on with COVID cases. Everything's a mess. So this is our chance just to talk about music and hopefully good things coming up. If you saw the title of this week's episode, you'll know we're going to be talking a little bit about Deftones because... We now have the title of the new album, Ohms, coming out at the end of September, and the title track has been released with a music video on YouTube. Later, I will post a link to that in the description and in the pinned comment in case you want to check that out if you haven't already. And before we get into the main topic, like how describing Deftones as a band, um, I'll go over my thoughts and then I want Gretchen to go over her thoughts as well, because we have very different opinions and we come from very different places on that. So we're just going to jump right into it. I really enjoyed the song. As a closer, I think it's interesting because if you look at the track list for Ohms, that's what the album closes with. That's an interesting, energetic kick to end things and wrap it up, which all already leads me to believe this is going to be much heavier than their more recent release, Gore, from a few years back, which was probably their lightest and most melody-driven, least heavy album they've made. So hopefully that actually means something that Stephen Carpenter really is more engaged and wants things to be heavier. And from what interviews are saying, Chino totally backs that statement that Stephen is much more involved in everything from beginning to end on this album. And that's kind of awesome. So I like the song. It's not my favorite Deftones song ever, but I do really enjoy it. There's so much to take in and it really is an anti-song um, just with all the things going on. There's so like it's not Deftones are so good at doing the atypical style of music in rock and metal. It's never just the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus with Deftones. They do whatever they want and they've done that for a long time. So I would like to turn this over to Gretchen and ask like, coming from a fan, someone who's not a Deftones fan, and not to say you dislike them just because you're not familiar with them. I think that's more fair to say, correct, Gretchen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, I don't think I've given them like a fair shot because I, I, I don't know. I listen to them in the car and sometimes I get distracted. So I just don't think I've given them a fair shot. But I mean, this song was okay. Okay. Fair enough. Me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't, I, I don't want to say the word terrible because like it's not, um, but it just... It's not something that I would continuously play. Let's okay. put it that way. That, see, that I totally understand. Even if it's, it just may not be for you, especially after one or two listens. And I totally get that. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. And this is where kind of the main topic goes for this week. Are Deftones one of the biggest hipstery bands ever? And that's not to say Deftones themselves are hipsters or by any means. I'm talking, are they a hipster band? Because all Deftones fans become instant hipsters when talking about Deftones. <laughs> that is an undeniable fact, myself included. I think Gretchen would I think Gretchen would back me up on this that I'm not a hipster by any stretch of the imagination. 
No. Okay. When I talk about Deftones, that's when I get hipstery. And I think that's for most Deftones fans also. Every fan of the Deftones, old and new, from the 90s all the way till 2020, has given that one comment of, oh, I was so I was a fan way back before White Pony, before they actually became such a big deal. Or a future generation, I was listening to Deftones long before Diamond Eyes. I mean, way before Diamond Eyes. Everyone talks about how that's their greatest. I was actually listening back during their self-titled in early 2000s. That is every Deftones fan, regardless of generation. And you have different generations of hipster fans of Deftones. And you'll also hear like how I describe Deftones, how they, their writing styles, and how they don't have a set format. They do not rely on the rock radio verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, setup. They do so much more than that. And that's what also kind of creates that, too. You'll get that attitude from Deftones fans arguing amongst each other of what the best album is. You'll get arguments between Deftones fans of which album is the best and which songs on the album are the best and why the best songs are the deep cuts on specific albums, the songs that weren't on radio, why deep cuts from White Pony are better than deep cuts from Koino Yokan and otherwise, and everything else. And how, oh, I, yeah, see, any band, someone just said in the chat room from Tom, any band can be a hipster band if you were a fan of them before they were cool. You can make that argument mm. for any type of band that's true mm -hmm. but at the same time with deftones it really sticks that way and i would disagree tom you can't do that for every band like you can't do that with the one hit wonder groups like you can't go oh my gosh i was totally into meredith brooks before she became a big deal in 1997 so it's like well no one's heard of her before then so it's so specific yeah exactly cool well, I'm, I'm making a video about one hit wonders so that's why kind of why uh, okay, okay I like, was like wow that was really specific. another one okay because new radicals are like one of my favorite one hit wonders ever i made a video about them years ago and they were the big band back in like 98 they had the song you get what you give don't give up you got a reason to live that one so like no one had heard of them before that though so you can't say, oh, I was into New Radicals and Greg Alexander before their album came out in 98. No, you weren't. So I, can't, I don't know if it's ever that way. But Deftones are not hipsters by any stretch of the imagination. Their music is not hipstery music that you would hear at a coffee shop or on NPR. But they're a total hipster band if you think about it. Because that's what their fans have made them out to be. Think about it. <laughs> when you hear the diehard Deftones fans talking about Deftones... Yeah, they defend it like hipsters, and that's how and that's how it's been exactly, and that's how it's been for a long, long time too. When they when White Pony came out in two thousand, and they won a Grammy, beating out huge names like Slipknot and oh, I don't even remember who else they beat out that year, and no one like they literally sat Deftones way in the back on the balcony. Because, like, that's where they sit some of the bands back then they don't think are going to win or only nominated for one thing. And they won the Ooh. Grammy. So they had, like, literally hop down off this little balcony and then run up to get the award. Like, do this little jog up to the stage. <laughs> Super awkward, by the way. So you get stuff like that. Um, I just really can't... There's no de de denying. Deftones fan base is full of hipsters. <laughs> It, they totally is, and I, I, am, I am a diehard Deftones fan. I don't know how else to describe it, though. Really think about it. And Gretchen will, since 
she's not familiar with Deftones, and that's fine. I am. So I'm sure, like, when Gretchen and I are around more Deftones fans, when Deftones do make that big tour in 2021 with Gojira and Poppy, if she goes to that concert, she's going to hear all the discussions of, uh, actually, Entombed is the best song on Koino Yoka, not any of the stuff that came on the radio. I was looking forward to that tour, by the way. So I still am. I mean, they're not coming near me. That's one I would travel for. And I'm still convinced Mm -hmm. that tour, Deftones, Gucci, or Poppy, like those three are going to be at festivals, like in the States. I hope so. I really do. I really, I can't see that not happening. So that'll be discussion for next year, though, most likely. Because we were talking about that earlier this year before 2020 happened and everything got shut down. So... As I look this up. 2021 looks good. 2021 looks great. Don't you think so? 2021 is going to have every single. Yeah, every single tour and concert and festival we could ever imagine. Everyone wants to get out there. Yeah. What was it? Uh, Grammy for Hard Rock Performance 2000. So it was 2001 when they won it, which is fine. Uh, for 2001, maybe it wasn't Hard Rock Performance. I don't even remember. I'm crossing my wires now because they won the award. Metal Performance. I'm thinking Hard Rock. It was best for Metal Performance. That's what it was. Duh. That's pretty cool. It is. And that's, again, the names they beat. That's why I'm looking this up right now. That's why I'm stalling very poorly. (laughs) Okay. In 2001. Deftones won the Grammy for Best Metal Performance for Elite, Elite, off of White Pony. Elite was not a radio single, by the way. So, think about that. Here are who Deftones beat out in 2001 for that Grammy. Iron Maiden, Marilyn Manson, Pantera, and Slipknot. Wow. This was 2001 also. Deftones were not higher up on the chain. Slipknot was the new one. Slipknot was the baby at that time. That was for Wait and Bleed. I get that. But Deftones were fighting Marilyn Manson, Pantera, and Iron Maiden, and Deftones came out winning it. Wow. Also, also, these categories, like Best Metal Performance and Best Rock Performance, they rarely go out of their uh, wheelhouse of the same bands. As time goes on, right. they just keep going back to Metallica, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. Rare... Well, because that's what everyone knows. It, that's, that's a big part of it, too, the, the voting committee. Like, the yeah. nominations will totally nominate the underdogs and people that don't know. Gretchen knows the Baroness is one of my all-time favorite bands. When they got nominated for a Grammy, I was over the moon. Mm-hmm. But they didn't win. They lost to Megadeth in 2017 right so and because everyone knows right absolutely (laughs) so like when a band like high on fire wins and people lose their mind but yeah so going back to deftones though that's another thing that like deftones fans really always talk about yeah deftones won a grammy back for a song like that and they've been nominated for other stuff too people are always going to refer to that though deftones like fans hold that in pride and they hold what specific songs and albums they love the most they make their arguments they wear the unique clothing and have the stickers and stuff they're the ones that like have deftones have become such a subculture within alt metal and rock and metal which are already like within sub like a subculture within subgenres is the best mm-hmm. way to put deftones fans so when i say are deftones a hipster band it's not so much the band themselves are hipsters but their fan base yeah. is totally hipsters there's no other way to deny it. I don't know how anyone else could even argue that. 
I, I really think about it. Talk to any Deftones fans. They will give you a five-paragraph essay on why they're a Deftones fan. <laughs> and I'm having trouble thinking like of other bands in heavier music that, one, have a fan base like that, and two, are as unique as Deftones. There are very few bands that also do that very light, soft, melodic style that sounds like... Mm-hmm. You'll like that puts you at such peace, but also that loud, chaotic, angry style. All on the same album. They're one of the few bands that actually do both extremely well. Mm -hmm. So I think that is also why that puts them on the map. So for something like that. So I'm not really sure if it's, I don't know off the top of my head, like other good hipster bands that like where the fan base is made up of total hipsters, even though the band themselves is not hipstery at all. Like, at all. So, I don't know. That's how I see it, anyway. Yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head. And I'm sure there are. I mean, it gets ridiculous oh, yeah. sometimes. I, we've, we all know bands like that, too. Like, there's, like, you always have one or two fans that are the obnoxious fan about why they're such a fan of the band. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking across the board. Like, every, almost a majority of fans all are willing to spend an hour discussing why... The Deftones, why Deftones are their favorite band, even when they're not asked. They'll just start ranting. They'll just start. I know. I I just wanted a number two with the Lars Dr. Pepper, man. I just need the bathroom. And that's how it is, too. Oh, you know, bathroom. That reminds me. Deftones in 2007. What? 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 So, yeah. And this is coming from a huge Deftones fan. So, take that for what it's worth. So, thoughts on Ohms? Let me know in the comments what you think about it. Are you going to pre-order the album? Are you going to check out the album when it comes out? Also, keep in mind that at the end of September, Ohms comes out, and we'll still also have that 20th anniversary of White Pony with the reissue of Black Stallion, which will be the remixed album of all the songs on White Pony, like, professionally remixed. So, that's like a double... It's supposed to be a two, like a double LP set. And I'm very, ex- I'm more excited for that, to be honest. I'm going to listen to Ohms no matter what. I'm probably going to buy it, even if it's on par with, like, uh, Diamond Eyes and Koenoyoka and stuff like that. So I'm very excited to see what they do. But yeah, I'm actually kind of more excited to get that White Pony Black Stallion, especially to hear what they do with Black Stallion, the remix songs. So here's, um, just let me know your thoughts, though, in the comments. If you're listening to this on Spotify on all the broadcast things. Check out Ohms. It's worth your time if you're just listening on the podcast thing. Uh, whatever it is. I know Spotify is destroying the music industry, and I'll probably make a video about that in the future. However, um, for the time being, check out Ohms while the album's not out yet. This would be a good mm-hmm. this would be a good opportunity to listen to a song that you can't go out and buy the album for yet. That's a good way to that's a good use of Spotify. <laughs> Think of it that Spotify. way. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, that love-hate relationship with Spotify that's destroying the music mm-hmm. industry but building up the podcast industry. Uh, that's, just how, that's just how it is right now. So moving on from Deftones. I know all the Deftones fans will be upset, but we can't talk about them all podcast. Um, one cool thing that happened, this is somewhat music-related, but we'll probably go into a side tangent because I know Gretchen's a fan and I'm a fan as well. The trailer for The Batman came out. The new, the brand new movie, brand new Batman with Patman, Robert Pattinson. Isn't that his name? Pattinson? Uh, yeah. Twilight. Twilight Batman. I was about to say Edward. Yes, Edward Batman. That dude. 
Edward Twilight. I'm going to be blown up if I don't get the name right. Robert. Of course, it doesn't even say anything. It just lists all the stuff. It's either Pat, Pat, Pat. Robert no. Pattinson. It is Robert Pattinson. Yeah. So Robert Pattinson from Twilight, who actually does have quite a varied acting um, mm-hmm. catalog for all the movies he's been in. It's not just Edward. I, I agree. So he is not just typecast as unemotional, um, glowing vampire. He actually does have more than that. Now he's going to be grungy Batman fighting off villains in a very more... What looks like in the trailer, a much more modern, realistic type Batman. Mm-hmm. It looks dark. It looks like it could be quite violent in the ways they're doing it. With villains this time, including the Riddler, Penguin, and potentially um, Hush. Not sure, because that's what everyone's saying, but Riddler for sure. And Penguin, who's played by Colin Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah, when I when I discovered that, I was a little blown away by it. Yeah, talk about makeup and prosthetics to look like Penguin. Yeah, mm-hmm. no more Danny DeVito Penguin from the early nineties. Quite different looking. So the reason why we're bringing all this up is because they use Nirvana's "Something in the Way" in the trailer, and of all the Nirvana songs, it's very interesting they use that one. It's very interesting mm-hmm. the Batman trailer uses rock music at all if you're a comic book fan of batman the comics you'll know that bruce wayne hates rock which is also Wait, interesting what? oh yeah in the comics in the comic i was gonna say i didn't i didn't look at the comics so. yeah see like and i did and i did oh yeah bruce wayne can't stand rock and roll uh-uh what? i know wow. just how it is however in the batman Maybe he's all grungy. Maybe he listens to Nirvana's Nevermind on, on vinyl. When he's getting ready in the Batcave, has Alfred bringing him his favorite flannel? It could, t- it could happen. His favorite flannel. Also, and someone just said Chris's playlist, Danny DeVito is the best penguin. Oh no, he really was the best penguin, but he was also only one of two penguins. The other being Burgess Meredith from like the 60s. In the TV show. So, eh, like, not a ton of competition. But yes, Danny DeVito nailed the part of the Penguin because, of course, he did. He was born for that role. Because, of course, he did. Yeah. So, and I do, I'm very interested. I know Gresh and I are probably going to go see it whenever that is in 2021, if movie theaters are safe by then and open. Yes. There's two movies I really want to see in theaters now that there's going to be possible Tenet and The Batman. So. Who knows? I just think it's interesting to have like the Batman with uh, not as well a known of a Nirvana song playing in the background. It worked well. It added to it. I think it was a good choice. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was very interesting they went that route. So mm-hmm. it would not have worked with any other Nirvana, many other Nirvana songs. I totally get that, but you know that's just how it is. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? That's a long time so time away. If you haven't seen the trailer, it is worth looking up though to see it how. How Patman, how Robert Pattinson looks, looks fine. The bat suit looks different. It looks fine, though. The world they have with everything, like the investigation scene and the stuff they're laying out, looks fine. I, I have nothing against it so far. And I, and I wanted Gretchen's voice on this, too, because um, The Dark Knight is her favorite movie. It is my favorite movie ever. See, I saw The Dark Knight three times in movie theaters, and I thought that was pretty good. No, Gretchen blows me away. Yeah, I saw it. It got to the the double digits. That's intense. Yeah, it was like 
I think it just was like 10 or 11 times that I saw it in theaters. Right. And just, I don't know if you remember this back then or not. Do you remember the backlash they got when they said, oh, Heath Ledger is going to be the Joker? Really? Before the movie came out? Because I do. I actually don't remember the backlash. Uh-huh. Um, I, all I remember was hearing people say that it was really good. Because like at the time, I didn't pay any attention to movies really and like their reviews and stuff but right. then people started talking about it and I'm like, i gotta go see it yeah and i get that i yeah. was sophomore <laughs> in college so and like i was aware of that too because i remember people like making the arguments and complaints and like complaining yeah. like why heath ledger 10 things i hate about you that guy the teen the teen comedy guy and uh, first of all that movie's great too second of all yes. he has a good range he did all that wartime movie with uh mel gibson that i remembered he does stuff, and like then he blew everyone away, and it sucks to think about what else he could have done after if he hadn't passed on from the sleeping pit, like, accidental death. It sucks, but that's just how life is sometimes. So, I'm excited to see the Batman. I want to see a serious look at the Riddler. If you um, only base that on Batman Forever with Jim Carrey, who Jim Carrey did a fun job with the Riddler, but, like, when you look at the comics, that's not the comics Riddler. So I'm curious to see how they do that. And also curious how if they're going to keep Penguin as more of a serious, just fake human being, just uh, ridiculous, over-the-top, full-of-himself, mob-boss-style Penguin. And Hush, total serial killer. That'll be intense if they do it that way. So that'll be good. It'll be also interesting to see if they have more bands be a part of the soundtrack. Like, mm-hmm. if they had Nirvana, something in the way. If they do other, like, rock music and things like that. I miss the time when, like, bands would make music specifically for movies. The 90s had tons of that. And, like, when rock and metal and alternative bands would release music just on soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And, like, you'll get occasional stuff. Like, Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor, of course, they do that all the time. One of my favorite bands, Explosions in the Sky, they've done that for TV and for mus- and movies for years. So... Like, it does happen, but not nearly as much as the 90s. When you get, like, a movie soundtrack, would just be a CD of, like, 20 different bands all making this music for the movie. I was about to say, um, Within Temptation did that for a video game. Yep, exactly. So That's they ha- how I discovered them. Yep, so there's tons of stuff like that. Nine Inch Nails did that also for a video game. Like, back <laughs> in the day, Quake, yeah. So there's tons of, excu- like, tons of stuff like that. And then, like, you go, like... Uh, one of my favorite examples is back in the late 90s, there was the Godzilla movie with that did not do well. The movie was pretty bad. It was the American version of Godzilla back in the late 90s mm-hmm. with, oh, I can't, with Ferris Bueller. I can't remember his name. Oh, Matthew Broderick. Broderick. Yeah, Matthew Broderick. He was like the main a- actor in it. Um, but mm-hmm. the movie was pretty bad. It was lousy. <laughs> Soundtrack, amazing. <laughs> totally amazing. Everyone was in it. Everyone from Rage Against the Machine to Ben Folds 5 to Puff Daddy with Jimmy Page to the Wallflowers. Everyone you can imagine was a part of it. And Rage Against the Machine made a new song for that, too. So, yeah, it had everybody in that one. It was great. So you don't really get that anymore ever, unfortunately. And if you do, like, I think part of it's because Hollywood only wants to, like, hire their own music and artists and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's easier just to, like, not have to pay royalties. And, like, that's part of it. The other part of it is they'll just use old songs if they have to. Um, like, I was talking yeah. about One Hit Wonders. Like, for the, I'll mention this later. You know the song Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba? 
I get knocked down, but I get up again. You yeah. never... Okay, they still play that song in movies and TV all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. So you'll get that occasionally, but that song was not made for a movie. Yeah. So I want more of that. I want more bands, especially creative artists, making music, composing, scoring, producing music specifically for movies, whether that's part of an album that they release later or just specifically made for the movie and that's it. One or the other, I feel like that's such an untapped market that's been lost over time. And that doesn't have to be for the big blockbuster Marvel movies. That could be for like the stuff at like Sundance and like for film festivals and indie films. That could totally work. And be pretty fun to do. So, I don't know. Yeah. That's just easy enough for me. Do you remember which uh, video game it was that with him Temptation did? I remember that also. That was years ago. I don't remember the game, though. Uh, I want to say, oh, God. Oh, da, 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 da. It came out in 2008. It was like something Spellborn. PS3 days. The Chronicles of Spellborn. Yep, you're right. There you go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I remembered a word. Very good. Spellborn. Yeah, you, you got the main word. That's what's important. Yeah, a word. Exactly. So, <laughs> that was a yeah. hot minute ago. And again, that'd be so cool. Deftones would be awesome for a video game type series. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, just my thoughts on that. Moving on. Today's a special day for all you Rob Zombie fans because it's 20 year, 22 years ago today, Hellbilly Deluxe, the debut solo album for Rob Zombie came out after White Zombie. And this was the album with Dracula and Super Beast and Living Dead Girl. This was Rob Zombie's big breakthrough as a solo artist. 22 years ago. Wow. I think that's just interesting to think about that. Grisha and I just saw Rob Zombie at Rockville last year. He's still putting on a killer show. I love how you say, just saw. It's been a year and a half. Um, We haven't seen that many concerts since then because of all the things going on this year. So yeah, just last year. (laughs) Stop crying. We're going to see more concerts. Mm. It's going to happen. You may have to have your passport ready, but it'll happen. So, but yeah, Rob Zombie still puts on a killer show. I shot, I've shot Rob Zombie live as a photographer at least once a year, every year since 2014. Wow. Except for 2020. That doesn't count. <laughs> Stupid 2020. That does not count because no one shot Rob Zombie. So, <laughs> no one it's, shot so yeah, so totally doesn't count. And the reason why is because, well, no one's shooting anything. So... <laughs> I mean, I remember my thoughts. Like, Rob Zombie, speaking of video, like, soundtracks, Rob Zombie was a big part of those Twisted Metal video games back in the day. Mm-hmm. On PlayStation 1, oh, yeah, playing Dracula and Super Beast while you're, pl- while you're doing your demolition derby, shooting lasers and hitting, like, cars with chainsaws. There's one <laughs> guy that just has wheels for arms just ramming into people. Oh, yeah, Twisted Metal was a, t- was a blast. It was cartoony. It was over the top, but it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like the glory. That was like the PS1 fun days where, like, you just like, grab your friends and, like, hear that music blast. And, again, video games back then had killer soundtracks like that, too. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 is coming out in September, and they're keeping most of the original soundtrack they had back in the late 90s, early 2000s. With Rage Against the Machine and The Offspring and Primus and stuff like that. Because video games would do that too. They would use real bands and real artists like to fill out their soundtrack and give royalties. And the bands were totally for it too. And the people playing the games loved it because one, they loved the games, get the memories for it. Two, that introduced them to those bands. So it was a win-win for everyone. 
Yeah, someone just said, the, uh, Carlton in the chat just said, remember Kill Squish Engage in one of the Burnout games? And it's like, yeah, there's tons of stuff like that. So there's so much. Um, and someone else did, uh, he just said Deftones was in the soundtrack for the first Matrix film. I believe it. Totally believe it. Again, back in those days, like the early 2000s, all through the 90s, yeah, big rock and metal artists, alternative artists also were all were just filled to the brim. Those movies were filled to the brim with those artists and those bands. So I totally am for that, bringing something like that back. Even again, it doesn't have to be the biggest Marvel blockbusters, the Disney movies. It doesn't have to be the big end of year emotional um, Oscar bait movies. It could be the Sundance films. It could be stuff like that, like the indie scene. That's fine. But I just wish more filmmakers and producers would work with bands to try to score stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that it makes it more exciting when you hear that stuff too, to hear that perfect song sync up with movies in the movie with moments in the movie. So I don't know. That's just me, but with Rob zombie, um, some of my favorite moments were all live with him besides playing the video games and listening to music. I mean, if you've seen Rob zombie live once you remember it, it gets bonkers. Oh yeah, with the live pup, like live giant animatronics on stage, um, Piggy D and John Fod going nuts. The guitarist and bassist. Um, one of my favorite moments, probably my most favorite, was the first Rock Allegiance. Uh, I think it was called Rock Allegiance in Philadelphia a festival that no longer exists, unfortunately, unless they bring it back in 2015 and 2016. The first one in 2015, Rob Zombie was there. He was the headliner that night. Closed out the show. And this was a sellout, 30,000 people in the Philadelphia uh, Major League Soccer Arena. Mm-hmm. So amazing. I mean, I'm talking, they knocked it out of the park with that festival. They had it there the next year, but then after that, they moved it to a different location that kind of fizzled out. But in 2015, to give you an idea, I have video of this on my Facebook, on the Rocked Facebook page. Just a video of the fans like pumping their fists and screaming along with Rob Zombie and his command. And I'm talking, this is tens of thousands of people doing it and how intense this is. What's cool though, is at the end of that Rob Zombie set, the end of the night, um, they played Dracula to close out. And behind the arena in Philadelphia is the Maryland or the Delaware river. And it's literally like on the edge. Like if you go behind the stadium, just like in the little back ways for a golf carts, and that's where the media was, is the river. Like you could like throw, if you had, you could like throw a football from the stage into the Delaware River, this big river that cross- separates Pennsylvania from New Jersey. What Rob Zombie and his team did in the festival, they got a boat, put a ton of fireworks on it, floated the boat behind the stadium. It started shooting off fireworks throughout Dracula. So it was like in rhythm to the chorus and stuff. It was timed perfectly. So when you hear the the chorus of Dracula, you see these enormous fireworks in the sky. And they were able to do it safely because they brought them out on the river. So that's my favorite Rob Zombie moment and how well that is. I'm sure there's footage of it somewhere. If you look up like Rock Allegiance, Rob Zombie 2015, Philadelphia, and it was in October. I'm sure there's footage of it somewhere, like cell phone footage. It was so sure. great. Because, like, um, myself, Anna, who, uh, Annalisa, my friends, like, I've known Anna for years. She helps run the Rocks uh, web, uh, Facebook page and website. And Gretchen knows her, too. Like, they were there with, with me that time because they lived in New Jersey. They were working a different website, too. It was so much fun that night. 
that was such like a well done festival. That's why we love stuff like that. Rob Zombie's a true performer for festivals and his own concerts. He always brings a good show. He's always a good hand for the live stuff. So 22 years of Hillbilly Deluxe and wild shenanigans with Rob Zombie. Just something cool to think about. And as we move on, we'll do this right now before we get to the mainstream top three for Billboard Rock. Um, over the weekend, there were some news reports. One was from Lambgoats and from some other sites too, trying to confirm it. People were making reports saying that the singer Art from Atreyu had been booted from the band. And the headlines were all saying, Atreyu has parted ways with Art for Katz's, if that's how I pronounce the name correctly, Art, saying that he's gone from the band. And I thought Gretchen brought that up to me too. I'd already seen it at the time. We were going to talk about it. Many people were speculating what was going on. A few days later, the lead singer, uh, Art, goes online and gives a very vague, cryptic post saying, don't believe everything you read, hashtag fake news, posting a bunch of other stuff. And it's all very murky right now, if he's still with the band or not, because neither the band nor Art has made an official statement being very clear about it all. And that's where it's getting confusing. So who knows? And again, Atreyu has been on their comeback tour for a few years now. When they got back together in 2015, they've had two albums since their big comeback. Um, I don't know. Alex, excuse me. I keep saying Art because I'm thinking of a different band. Alex Varkatsis from Atreyu. He keeps posting all this stuff and it's not really confirming or denying it like appropriately. So who knows? I'll make sure to post stuff and we might talk about it next week if we get more information then. But yeah, I have no idea what to think about that. And Gretchen and I like Atreyu fine. Um, who knows? Because like all the stuff they've been through together, if they were to lose Alex now, would they make it? Yes, because Brandon, the drummer, who's also the clean singer in the band, who helps write a majority of the music. So it's not like the whole band's a house of cards now. It just falls apart. Right. But at the same time, it would be very different, and I don't know how well it would work. So, who knows? I was going to say, I haven't seen his posts. I had just seen the articles. That right. Come out, so and that's the thing. Like, his posts don't really say much. Like, he's mm -hmm. quoting Stone Temple Pilot songs to kind of, like, make his point. Mm -hmm. And then he'll say, I'm not dead and I'm not for sale. Don't believe the hype. Hashtag STP, SGP, hashtag great song, hashtag fake news, hashtag false narrative. And he left it at that. Interesting. Right. So it's not really confirming or denying anything. They're aware of all the rumors and they're not, and neither the band or Alex. I'm assuming Alex is still a part of the band as of now, at least. Who knows? So, yeah, we'll get you more information when that comes up. We're aware of it. Hopefully things get worked out if there are on the ropes. Hopefully it's just bad information. Who knows? Also, over this past week, someone in Seattle is a monster and vandalized the Chris Cornell statue. What? Yeah. It'll be fine. Statue will be fine. Um, yeah, they have some great statues tributing some of the artists there. Like they, That's where the Jimi Hendrix statue is, if I'm correct. They have a great Chris Cornell statue. Yeah, someone, some degenerate monster, probably not even knowing who it was. Yeah. That's probably it. Vandalized statue. So, yeah. What the heck? I know. Not cool. That's not protest. That's just being an idiot. Yeah. Being a jerk. 
Uh, yeah, that sucks. Again, it'll be everything will be fine with that though. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. exactly. Moving on, we're gonna go to the Billboard mainstream top three. Not too much change, but it is worth talking about a little bit because it kind of follows up the point I was making last week. At uh, number three on Billboard's mainstream rock songs of the week, their big charts for the rock songs on radio. At number three, formerly at number one, is "Death by Rock and Roll" by The Pretty Reckless. Falling down a spot. At number two is Metallica and the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra with the new version of All Within My Hands coming off of Metallica's S&M 2. So very interesting. Um, again, song sounds good with the symphony. Not crazy about the song without the symphony, the original. So a proof that that symphony really makes this song work. And it's going to make a lot of other Metallica songs work. I mean, again, S&M 1 was a lot of fun. I, I will, I'm hoping that S&M 2 is even better because they have something to build on right. and more music to work with, like from Hardwired and stuff like that. So I'm very excited to see what they do for that. And finally, at number one, again, is Shinedown with Atlas Falls, continuing their hold at number one. Yay! Mm-hmm. There's Gretchen's yay. Yay. I don't know how long they'll be at number one. Because Metallica gets Forever. Metallica gets dibs on number one slots. You're not going to stop Metallica. However, Shinedown still now have the record of most number one songs of all time on Billboard's mainstream rock chart that dates back to the 80s, beating out bands like Van Halen. So <laughs> Shinedown's got nothing to worry about. Also considering they're writing a new album now, and they'll probably have another number one at least. At least one more. And Smith and Myers put out their um, yes uh, their songs last Friday. Yes, and also uh, Smith and Myers like the acoustic pairing. Um, is this is it Smith Myers two? Is that what it's going to be called? Okay, something like that. No. However, uh, uh, Brent Smith, Zach Myers are going to put out another album just with their acoustic stuff and just their stuff well, in the meantime. See, this is going to be their first full-length album as Smith and Myers. Right. The one before was just an EP. EP. Exactly. So well said. And that'll be very interesting to see as well. And I'm curious to see where they go from there, but I'm sure they'll do a good job. They released two songs, an original song and a cover song. Mm -hmm. So they're both worth checking out. So there's a lot of good music to check out this past week from notable names, Deftones, Smith and Myers. Um, If you haven't checked out the Metallica version of with the San Francisco Symphony for All Within My Hands, worth checking out as well. I'll leave links on GetRock.net for the actual Facebook post. If you follow my socials, it'll give a direct link to that. At RockedNet on Facebook and Twitter. So, And they're all in the video description and on the socials and stuff like that too. And also on Spotify and Spreaker. So check those out. As we go on from there, I also want to bring up some upcoming stuff for the channel. Up on Patreon right now for Rocked is my review of the new Seether album, Sivas Pacum Parabellum. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly because that's how I pronounced it in the album review. And also, <laughs> that's how I Holt was told it's pronounced and like saw other people pronounce it. So, good enough for me. Um, this is their newest album. I'll give my thoughts right now and spoil it a little for all you podcast listeners because I love you so much. It's fine. It's a bit of a step down from Poison the Parish, if I'm being honest. What's interesting this time, though, see they have a fourth new member, permanent part of the band, in Corey Lowry, the younger brother of Clint Lowry of Seven Dust. So, and Clint played with Seven uh, with Seether for a couple years on that tour cycle uh, for Poison the Parish. 
Poison the Parish in 2017 was Seether having songs that were very Seethery, the same stock Seether songs. Seethery. But they also had totally new songs that were something different, and they really shined. This new album, Seavis Bacham, it's back to Seether being Seether. And what I mean by that is there's actually um, the lyric writing and performance from Sean Morgan. This was all pro- the album was produced by Sean Morgan also. So much more of an in-house production. The album's not bad by any means, but it's not really anything to write home about. And they have several songs on the like that are going to get single play. Dangerous uh, by Seether, the lead-off single, is in the top 10 on that Billboard mainstream rock chart. It might make it in the top three. I'm not sure. But at the same time, it's just nothing to write home about. If you've heard Seether over the past 10 years, you've heard this album before. Mm. And there's it was advertised as an album being much more angsty and much more politically charged. And while you get the angst, the politically charged stuff really isn't there. It's just not. So I'm not sure where that description comes from. So who knows about that? But for this new album from Seether, it's a bit of a step down. It's, I don't know. I would have called, like put it like flat down the middle, just an okay, flat, average album. It does get an extra point because some of the guitar work from that new guitarist along with Sean, they got some creative little hooks in there. They do actually add some variety in the music part of it. But that's about it. And that's my very brief album review. I'll give my full thoughts on the video, which I post tomorrow. It's on Patreon right now. Hopefully you guys check that out on the main channel. Let me know your thoughts as well. I don't dislike Seether by any means. I've seen them live several times. I've shot them. I've interviewed two of the band members. So, I again, I've been following Seether for many years. This new album, just kind of there. Mm. I'm sure it, like the Seether fans will love it. The Seether fans who come for this type of music are going to be just fine because it's exactly what they want. And mm. so take that for what it's worth. Again, I'll go in more details on the album review itself. That'll be posted tomorrow, just a few days before the album comes out. Thankfully, I was sent the album early in advance so I could do the album review early. So other than that, tomorrow I will be posting my last long video of the month. I'm going to be talking about 10 one-hit wonders in 90s rock. And a lot of these are on the alternative spectrum. But at the same time, this is a nostalgia trip for some 10 of the many one-hit wonders that were big on the radio in 90s rock and alternative. And there were many of them back then. And one-hit wonders don't really exist anymore just because the nature of mainstream rock, you know, they radio does not give a chance as often anymore to brand new bands that when they rely on bands like Seether and Breaking Benjamin and just play anything new no matter what it is. They would rather take the chance and just play Seether and Breaking Benjamin's generic songs over anything new from a new artist, even if it's amazing, because they know they'll be inoffensive and get attention if they play, hey, we got new Seether coming up, that type of attitude. Back in the 90s, they gave everybody a shot. Everybody had a shot at getting that one big hit that like set up a band for life. And... I'll be talking about 10 of those. I'll be just like, it's more part informational, part my thoughts on each song. Some songs I love still. Some songs I think are ridiculous and I don't know how they became big. There's some variety for sure. So um, also I kind of talk a little bit about if the band's still around or not. Um, Just to spoil it a little bit. One of the musicians that you rarely hear anyone talk about anymore that had a big, what was a big one hit wonder in the 90s is Duncan Sheik. 
he was big into that alternative realm and like the adult contemporary side of rock and alternative. I am barely breathing. I can't find the air. That song. Mm-hmm. Gretchen, you remember that song, right? I have no idea. Oh. I'm like sitting here like, wait, what? To be fair, you were probably about five. <laughs> no, you were four and I was eight. So... <laughs> Or something like something like that. Maybe the, maybe my ages are a little bit off, but still, we were young. <laughs> However, I remember that song getting played everywhere. I remember that song was getting played on every commercial, all the WB sitcoms, and like drama TV shows and movie soundtracks. Anyway, that song "Barely Breathing" went gold. I think his album went gold or platinum. I don't remember. I say it in the al- in the actual video. What's cool about that one hit wonder, the guy totally changed gears after that, like, because he released seven albums throughout his career, and that was his debut. But amidst all that, he also started writing music for Broadway and composing and scoring stuff. He won several Tony Awards. He won a Grammy way later after his one hit wonder in the 90s. So it just kind of shows, like, goes to show, just because they were seen as a one hit wonder doesn't mean, like, they just fade into obscurity and no one's ever heard from them again, and they're a bunch of losers, like, trapped. That's just not how it always works. So, just cool things to say. So, hopefully you guys check that out. I'm hoping this kind of pulls my main channel back into the algorithm blessing on YouTube. The last two videos I put out on YouTube have not done well, and I found out that YouTube was, like, de-pushing my channel in the algorithm. Like, you could tell by impressions, meaning how many times, like, YouTube is showing... Like, and suggesting my videos to new channels that aren't subscribed. And YouTube's doing that less than they were in July. So I'm hoping this kind of kicks that back up. Please check that out on Friday. It'll be on Patreon tomorrow, though. If, you're, if you really want to support the channel, that helps out a ton. Especially since I'm furloughed indefinitely. I'll keep saying that until something happens. Who knows? And also today, earlier, Gretchen did her Q&A for body mods. If you ha- want to check out question and answer sessions with Gretchen's information on body mods, piercings, tattoos, whatever it may be. Gretchen always gets interesting questions. So that went up today as well. I think that's safe to say. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. You always get, yeah. you get the interesting stuff for sure. So, I actually got a question because I always tell them in the comments that if they want their questions for the next month, um, to leave them in the comments. And I've already gotten one that involves you. Oh, what are people asking about me now? <laughs> uh. It's, it's a good one. All right. Well, I'll leave it at that. You can check out the video. I'll leave that link. I shared that out on my Twitter on Rocknet. You can also find that on Gretchen's Twitter at Go Gretchen, G E A U X, like the Louisiana spelling of Go at Go Gretchen. So, other than that, thank you all for tuning in, especially those who tuned in live during the live stream. If you're listening on all the podcast forms, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Apple, Google. If you can write a review, that helps out a ton, especially like on iTunes and Apple. That's a free way to help support Rocked and support the channel and the podcast to make sure things get pushed out more. Even if it like, even if it's a quick review, it does not have to be in depth. Talk about whatever you like. Hopefully, things go well for everyone this week. Hopefully, we get some more good news about new artists, new music coming out, things like that. We're all desperate for good news in 2020. I think that's safe to say across the board. Regardless if you're an international listener or if you're UK, Australia, or you're in the US, wherever that may be, I think we're all kind of looking for some good information to grab onto. That being said, 
Um, we'll find out if Gretchen, if next week, if Gretchen is excited or sad because Shinedown's at number one still or not on the chart. <laughs> we'll gauge her reaction appropriately. Okay, well, we'll find out. I have no, I, I have no idea either way. So, other than that, thank you guys again for listening. Gretchen, is there anything you'd like to close with? Wear your damn mask and wash your hands and social distance. Remember when you started saying that a few months ago? Can you imagine what kind of position we'd be if people actually listened? Like if, and I get the whole thing. Not the whole entire country doesn't listen to me. The my my um, viewer listener audience on Spotify has grown pretty well now. On YouTube, not as much, but at the same time, it's getting there. I'm aware though that. Um, Everyone has been broadcasting their thoughts on wear a mask and wash your hands, but there's still people that don't, and we're all going to pay because Jim, Bob, and Karen, the bumpkins and the Karens, refuse to, wear, the, refuse to wear a mask and social distance. So mm-hmm. no concerts till 2021. Thanks, Jim, Bob. Thanks, Karen. Yeah. I yeah, there's no other nice way to say it. I, I'm am I wrong? No. Yeah, that's no. Yeah, that's just how it is. So have a good week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Check out that check out Ohms from Deftones if you haven't already. Let me know your thoughts on this page. Um, again, uh, if you're a Deftones fan, you're probably a hipster. At least for Deftones, I know I am. 